0: Hello so friends, my name is Hannah and you are listening to She Reads, They Eat, a podcast for all of my fellow literature lovers or for anyone wondering what they should read next. I cover all kinds of reads from children's book to classic literature to science fiction and fantasy. I read, you listen, and my Patreon community sends 90% of their proceeds to the hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, and needy. The other 10% is used to bring you even better content. Most of my podcast is free to listen to, but for as little as $1 a month, you can join my Patreon community for exclusive content. Thanks so much for listening today, and let's dive right into today's Reads. Hello and welcome to another episode of She Reads, They Eat. If you're listening to this on my Patreon account, you probably uh, dove right in without any intro today. Uh, And if you are listening to this otherwise, then that means that you are listening to this as a free episode. And today is a little bit on the fly, so I'll have to apologize in advance if there's a few more ums or pauses or such. As, again, like I said, this is a little bit on the fly. I have created for you today a list of some of my favorite books. But not just... It, it is organized, just a little bit. Um, I had somebody recommend or ask for a podcast with some of my favorite books in certain topics. For instance, I think the idea was... Um, your favorite sci-fi book, and your favorite mystery book, and your favorite, I don't know, Christian nonfiction, and your favorite literature, and so on and so on. So that was the idea, and I ran with it just a little bit. I took my five top favorite genres, so the genres I really do read the most of, and I have, you know, anywhere between one and like three books or series that I've really enjoyed in these different genres. And then I do have a bonus genre at the end, so please do stick around for that. Um, So yes, today is not a read-aloud, and today is geared a little bit better for maybe some of my uh, grown-up listeners who aren't just wanting to share this with, uh, you know, it's not just a read-aloud for their kids to listen to, which I know I've done a lot of. Anyway, so I'm going to dive right in, and first I'm going to tell you what those top five genres that I read the most of are. And... Uh, These aren't quite in the correct order. I probably could put them, but I'm just going to put them as I thought of them. And uh, my current favorite genre, and the one that has been my favorite genre for a while, is dystopian novels. Um, And I've heard dystopian described as uh, a story that takes place in a different world or a future world as kind of a picture of a shadow of what we are turning into it usually teaches some um, moral lessons just throughout the story it's not you know a, a specific moral telling story say like veggie tales might be for your children but it's um, you, you kind of see throughout it where certain attitudes certain thoughts certain um, ways of handling the world, certain uh, ways of ruling and all those kinds of things where they might, could, or very possibly will end up. So a good example of dystopian novels uh, would be The Hunger Games. Those would be considered dystopian novels. Or The Divergent Series would be considered dystopian novels. A lot of the dystopian novels are uh, in the young adult genre. Um, But my, oh, The Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's Tale is a dystopian novel. So there is a non-young adult dystopian novel for you. And I did recently read that one. And I'm actually currently reading another series by the same author that are also dystopian. But I wanted to share with you my favorite dystopian novels. And that is the Giver series. Um, You may have, if you're one of my Patreon members, you probably read a little bit about those in uh, one of my book lists, but um, the Giver series is... It takes place in pretty much another world, but it seems like they live a very similar life in many ways to um, this world or to America or such. I mean, it could very easily take place in, you know, uh, Africa or somewhere like that. Um, But the... It, it's just incredible. I mean, The Giver itself takes place in a community um, where sameness is lauded or applauded, and is this incredible thing? Sameness is seen as, and you know, children grow up and they're uh, they do have names, um, but they're labeled as um, in groups of age. So you always hang out with the same age group up until, uh, you're 12, and, um, the... The main character in the first book uh, turns 12 and is given. everybody is given a job in the community. So, you know, you might be a nurturer and you end up taking care of babies or you may work at the fish hatchery or you may be a birth mother in which case they're inseminated and they give birth uh, three times. Although that's explained more fully in the fourth book which is actually the story of one of the birth mothers. But going back to the first story, this character Jonas is given a unique job when that is very, very rarely assigned, and that is the job of, um, oh shoot, I can't even think of the correct word now for it. Uh, shoot, but he essentially is the, the holder of the memories, I think is what he's called. So, he, literally, there is one person in the community who holds. The memories of the way things were before and thus essentially holds all the pain because this is a world where you don't feel pain really you get a scraped knee and you get medicine right away um, you give birth and there's no pain I mean there's really no pain in this community but there's also no real uh, differences you take a pill when you start to get the stirrings which is what it's called when you start to have feelings for the opposite gender, Uh, you are assigned a mate and you don't have relations with them, you just raise children with them. And some people are never assigned a mate because they're not considered to be good candidates to raise children. And once you've raised your, I think it's only two children you're allowed, you go to the home of the you know, um, childless people. And you live there until you're old enough to go to the home of the old. And so it's just, it's this interesting community where some things in it seem really good, but you start to realize throughout the story... negative effects of trying to make everything the same and not allowing there to be pain or sorrow or uh, lust or any of those things and you start to realize what happens in that kind of community where those things are controlled and thus um, a lot of our self-will is taken out of the picture. So anyways, that's kind of... I talked quite a bit there, but that's kind of the idea of the first book. The second book takes place in a nearby village. Um, It's called Gathering Blue. It's about a girl who seems to have this almost magic touch with embroidery. Um, And then the third book is about... um, a boy named Matthew, who you met in the second book, and he lives in a community with uh, other characters that you will have met throughout the books. And um, he seems to have this special gift of healing, and you see how that's used in his village, which is slowly going awry from its original uh, beautiful purposes. And in the last book in the series, it's called The Sun, is my, if I had to pick... Um, my favorite book in the series, and probably my favorite dystopian novel I've ever read it would be this one. It's simply called "The Sun and it tells a story of a birth mother in this original community and her desperate uh desire to be reunited with her son um, and the the things that she will go through in order to get back to her son, and the sacrifices that she will make. And it is an incredible book. I read it for the first time when I had... My first child was about nine months old. And now I have two children, and I recently read it again. And, oh, it is so good. So anyways, that's The Giver Series. I could talk forever about that. And like I said, it's all from my favorite genre currently is dystopian novels. My husband says I like depressing books. Which I can see what he means, but I think I find a lot of, I almost find the opposite where I find hope in it. Um, that there are people out there who are aware of um, the issues with trying to control things that were not meant to be controlled. Anyways, let's move on. Um, my The other genre I probably read the most of is Christian nonfiction. Um, now I don't read a lot of the typical Christian books uh, nonfiction you know I have read some of them um, but uh, I find that I would place myself more in the category of a radical Christian I don't fit in with conservatives and I don't fit in with Republicans and um, So I don't fit the typical model, and thus I don't read books that fit the typical model, but that's okay, and I think that's a good thing. Um, But some of my favorites is, one, Anything by Sally Clarkson. Uh, Sally Clarkson is a woman who had a lot of ministry, and she didn't get married until she was probably at least 30 or really close to 30 Um, and she had her children later in life, but she'd already spent years in ministry. And so then her children became her ministry as well as the ministry her and her husband had. And, um, I just found the first book I read by her, which I think is still probably one of my favorites, even though I'm currently working on like the fifth or sixth book of hers that I've read Um, but I think the first might still be my favorite, and that's The Life-Giving Table. And as I read this book, I just went, oh, I have found my kindred spirit. I had some idea um, of what my vision of motherhood looked like, but I couldn't put it into words until I started reading the words of Sally Clarkson. And I went, this is it. No, not exactly. There's a couple things I already do differently than her. Um, she's not the end-all, be-all, as I don't think anything other than maybe Scripture should be. Uh, but even then, I think God works, obviously, differently in different people. Um, but I do just... Ugh, anything by Sally Clarkson, I absolutely love. The Life-Giving Table is probably my favorite of hers so far, and that talks about literally how she created a table that was life-giving through conversation, through cooking, through uh, love, through um, her oldest daughter, I believe, was asked once how she knew her parents loved her, and her answer was uh, waffles and... uh, Sugared pecans, because that was a regular thing for them on Sunday mornings, and that was something that made her feel loved and made her feel at home. And I absolutely love that. Uh, another favorite Christian nonfiction I currently read, and this was written during um, World War One, is *The Meaning of Faith* by Harry Emerson Fosdick. Uh, I really uh, want to get a couple more of his books. But I really loved this one. It was just laid out so beautifully. And if you don't know this, if you're familiar at all with the Landmark books, um, there's the American Landmark series and then the World Landmark series, written in the 1950s or history books, mostly in the 1950s. Um, He wrote a few of those. um, I believe they're in the World series because he wrote them. He wrote one about Jesus and one about paul and i believe he wrote a couple about uh christian men um that weren't listed in the bible you know later christian men maybe i don't think it was martin luther i'd have to go back and look at that but i recently found out that he wrote some of those so i'm really excited to get some copies of those um and then another christian nonfiction i really really love i haven't read it in too long but i really really loved it's heinz feet in high places um by i believe it's hannah bernard and this book is um kind of has a similar vibe to pilgrim's progress where it's kind of an allegorical trail uh tale i say trail because it kind of is literally a journey that um this person goes on and but it's just it's beautiful literature it's beautifully written it is an older one um but yeah it's kind of got that allegorical uh story of a journey that um, we find also in Pilgrim's Progress which I believe is written by John Bunyan. If you don't know what I'm talking about I would look into it. Okay, so another category I read often um, but not near as often as those first two is science fiction or fantasy. I recently finished one I really enjoyed called The Puppet Masters by Robert A. Heinlein. It was written, now this was kind of funny It was written, I believe, in the 1950s, and took place in 2007. So his idea at the time, what the future would look like, was a little off. So it's weird reading it now, 13 years after it was supposed to take place, by somebody who'd written it, you know, 55 years before it took place. So that was an interesting side of it. But the Puppet Masters tells the story of um, aliens who come, and essentially, they can attach themselves to human beings and stay mostly hidden and um, control their minds. And so it's really, really hard to defeat them. And uh, so they're called the Puppet Masters. And it, it was just a very, mostly quick-paced, some good um, characters... Uh, and I, I really did enjoy it, but I think my favorite science fiction book I've ever read was The Ender's Game by Scott Orson Card. I also read the second one, but The Ender's Game was, it was fast-paced, it was entertaining, the characters were really well done, the concepts and the plots were well done, and it's got one of those, like, endings you're just not expecting, or you, or if I remember right, when I read it, I kind of started to wonder you know, maybe this is the ending that's coming, but no way, no way. And then, yes, it was. So that one's a really good one. And I also really enjoyed the movie, The Ender skin That was well done. I actually watched the movie first, but that really didn't spoil the book for me. So feel free, if you've already seen the movie, to read the book because it's quite different and um, it's still amazing. And then uh, classic literature is something I've read a lot of for a long time. And I'm just going to throw out a few authors I absolutely love because I don't know how I would pick my favorite classic literature. So three of my top classic literature authors that I enjoy. uh, Number one is Louisa May Alcott. If you've been following my podcast at all, you know I love Louisa May Alcott. I've been reading her Little Men. And I actually had an interesting discussion with my mother-in-law about her and she said she didn't really enjoy like little women because it was boring. And so I will have to say Louisa May Alcott does not have fast plots or entertaining twists, but if you love a good character and funny anecdotes between characters and good dialogue, that's when you read Louisa May Alcott. Uh, If you only really like books that have a really good storyline, or a fast plot, or twists and turns, then I would agree you'd probably find Louise May Alcott boring. But I absolutely love her stuff. I also love Shakespeare. I'm one of those nerds. Uh, My father claims, at least, that his seventh great aunt, by blood, was William Shakespeare's wife. So... That's something my family has at least claimed for many years, but I don't know if that's actually true. And it, of course, has no bearing on whether I like Shakespeare's writings or not. But I do believe that he wrote them, as a lot of people don't think he was the one who wrote them. And I do have to point out, a lot of people say he was illiterate because they read his writings. But what you have to understand is that there wasn't standardized spelling at the time. So, I'm just throwing that out there. No need to get in a big debate. But I love Shakespeare um i've read him from kind of all angles i've read the lambs versions of his which is a great intro to shakespeare i would actually really highly recommend the lambs version because it gives you a good synopsis of the play and then you can read the play and kind of know what's going on and be able to follow the harder old english a lot better Um, my absolute favorite by him is hamlet He wrote Hamlet later on in his career. I believe way later than he wrote Romeo and Juliet, for instance. And I I just, it's incredible. I love it. It's really well written. It is kind of fun. For a while, I was reading Shakespeare from the, um, like his first play that he wrote on. So in chronological order of when he wrote them. And it was really funny. Because I did that right after I'd read Hamlet. And it was funny to see his kind of young writing in this first play which I think might be all as well that ends well but don't quote me on that. It's really funny because it's like oh my goodness his writing is nowhere near as good, his characters aren't as well developed, it's it's really funny to read. You can kind of see in it that he was a new author versus the incredibleness. Also, some will quote heresy, including my older sister, but I hate Romeo and Juliet. I hate it with a passion. Um, One year for Christmas, I unwrapped this gift from my parents, who of course know I love Shakespeare, and I unwrapped this gift and it says on the outside, Romeo and Juliet mug. And I'm inwardly thinking, what? No, I love Shakespeare, but I hate Romeo and Juliet. Then I open it up, and on the mug it says, Romeo and Juliet is not a love story. It was a fling between a 17-year-old and a 13-year-old where there were three deaths, and you know, so it says something along those lines. But it just made me so happy that my parents got me this mug talking about how dumb Romeo and Juliet was because they knew that though I love Shakespeare, I hate Romeo and Juliet. Um, <laughs> so I know some will hate me for that. At least for a long time, it was my older sister's favorite. Uh, it was, yeah, it was my older sister's favorite of his. And um, yeah, I just, I'm not a big fan of Romeo and Juliet. So I will not say that I love everything that Shakespeare's ever written. I do love a couple of his sonnets quite a bit, especially, oh shoot, I don't remember if it's like number one or number three, but it talks about how a child is like a mirror for a parent um, who can see themselves at a younger age, and so their youth continues in their children and their grandchildren, and I really liked that sonnet. I thought it was beautiful. So I'm going to move on to my fifth category here. Uh, the last category that I kind of regularly read, and that's young adult. Now, <laughs> young adult's a funny one. You see, growing up, I read, you know, um, I went pretty much straight from Green Eggs and Ham, the first book I ever read, into little chapter books like The Boxcar Children. There really was no in-between. And so I would read The Boxcar Children and kind of those books that were geared more towards, you know, maybe Shiloh or others by, um, Phillips Reynolds Taylor, I believe is her name. Um, or no, Naylor. Her last name is Naylor. My bad. But, um, I would read books geared towards, um, I worked at a bookstore, so we would have put this in the, I believe, eight to 11 or eight to 12 year old section. Um, so chapter books, but, not really mature themes or anything and usually the oldest a character would be one of those books would be 11 or 12 except for maybe an older sibling of course um so I I read a lot of that and then I just went straight into reading like general fiction um let's see Charles Martin Karen Kingsbury um the Catherine Palmer one of The few, it was a Christian, but kind of a general fiction Christian book that I've read. Um, Catherine Palmer wrote a book called The Happy Room. So I dove right into those kinds of books. Um, We didn't even really own any young adult books. And I got the impression that my parents thought they were frivolous. So I never read them. Um, And then this is where the story gets funny. Because um, then we uh, fast forward. I'm 20 years old, and I'm a couple months away from, or even less than that, away from getting married, and my fiancé and I had rented an apartment, and I was living in the apartment, and my husband, when he got married, planned to join me. And so we were cleaning out his room in the place he currently lived, and just getting his stuff all packed up and moving it to the apartment a few weeks before we got married. And so, I had this big box, and I was taking all the books off of his bookshelf and putting them in this box, and pretty much every book on his shelf was a young adult book. Not really a children's book, a young adult book. And I said, are children's books all you read? Like, it just came out. Because to me, those kinds of books, I pretty much had the impression that they were all frivolous, pretty much children's books. (laughs) So I have been mocked for that till this day. Um, If my husband catches me reading a young adult book, he goes, Anna, don't you know that's a children's book? So I'm going to be mocked for that for the rest of forever. But I recently realized it's because I don't think we ever had young adult books in my house. In fact, I picked up a copy of uh, Rick Riordan, the Percy Jackson series. And I brought it home and... I don't think my parents were the biggest fan of the fact that I read that now that may not have been a young adult. It may have been because it was about great gods, but that's another story. Um, but then my younger brother got really into them and like would borrow one after the other, after the other, after the library, and then the next series and so on. And, um, but I didn't, by then I was, you know, ready to move out and, um, uh, So I never really read young adult books, and now I absolutely love them. And they often find, in fact, most of the time, I find they're better written than um, most general fiction, science fiction. Like, whatever category, the young adult books are usually better written. Uh, Their characters are often better. Their plot lines are usually much more entertaining because they're geared towards... uh, you know, younger people with maybe a shorter attention span, maybe, I say that lightly. And um so they're usually just they're they're better written most of the time. Um but moving on from all that to say that uh my the first and I've seen this book placed in both children's and young adult sections in bookstores, but the first really young adult book that I did read a lot as a teenager or young teen um, was Madeline L'Engle's, and I've heard her name pronounced different ways, Langle is another way, but Wrinkle in Time. Oh, I, I, I don't know how many times I've read that book. I cannot count. I loved that book, and I still do love that book so, so much. But I also enjoyed some of her others. Um, if any of you have read <laughs> Wrinkle in Time, uh, Meg is the oldest sister, and her and her youngest brother, Charles Wallace, are both brainiacs, um, in a good way, like both of their parents, but they have two siblings in between them, twins, who are kind of just more normal kids um, and named Sandy and Dennis. And Madeline Langle did write a book about Sandy and Dennis where they, and I don't remember if it actually happened or if it was a dream or whatever, but they went back in time to around the time of Noah's Ark and they dealt with Nephilim and angels and Noah and his sons and their wives. And it was a really entertaining book. And of course, probably not biblically factual, but it was really entertaining. And I don't Honestly, I don't really care if it was biblically factual because it's a fiction book. It's not meant to be, and I think something like that's really great for your um, young teenager to be reading because it opens some great discussions. Especially if you've built that kind of um, like repertoire with your kids where you discuss those kinds of things a lot. I think it's perfectly healthy for them to be reading things that aren't entirely accurate because you've built a relationship with them where you discuss those kinds of things and it stretches their brains and it makes them think for themselves. And I think that's a good thing, but that's a whole, (laughs) that's a whole other discussion, which is not really the purpose of this podcast. So, um, the other series that I've really enjoyed more recently, Young Adult Books, is the Red Queen series by Victoria Aveyard. So in this uh, fictional uh, universe, there are people with red blood and people with silver blood. And the people with silver blood have always had these uh, essentially superhero type powers. And so they've pretty much enslaved the red blooded people. and. Um, become, you know, the royalty of the land. And the main character in the Red Queen series is a uh, girl with red blood who one day finds out she has incredible physical abilities that are stronger than most silver-blooded people and throughout the series she finds that she's not the only one like that so i don't want to spoil too much but this is a really entertaining series sometimes dark um this is probably an older young adult series uh but very well written Uh, very good understanding of you know emotions and um also very very entertaining as you know anything with people with super abilities is but it's very well done um and i would highly recommend it to anyone looking for a uh, fast-paced new young adult read it was actually recommended to my husband in a bookstore when he was looking for something to read and told the gentleman there the kind of stuff he enjoyed reading this was recommended to him and i ended up reading uh, I think three out of the four before he ended up picking up the first one, but my husband's also more of a, an ebook reader. Uh, it's just a better fit for him or an audiobook, just with the way he thinks and learns and his mind works. Um, and I'm more of a physical copy person. So to each their own, I think audiobooks are amazing. I really do. I can't get them to work for me. My mind wanders off when I'm listening to them, but moving on. So those are my five series, um, let me uh so right here at about the 30 minute mark let me quick list all of those and then i will leave that in my notes on the podcast that this is where you can just get the list so my five categories number one dystopian novels the recommended books and here is the giver series uh, by lois lowry l-o-w-r-y the second uh genre is christian nonfiction. i love anything by sally clarkson specifically the life-giving table i love the meaning of faith by harry emerson fosdick and i would look into anything by him and then heinz feet in high places by hannah bernard Category three, science fiction and fantasy. The books in this category are Ender's Game by Scott Orson Card. And The Puppet Masters by Robert A. Heinlein, which is spelled H-E-I-N-L-E-I-N. Uh, the fourth category is classic literature. The authors that I love here are Louisa May Alcott, Shakespeare, oh, and Mark Twain, which I don't think I covered on him much, but I love Mark Twain's stuff. And then my fifth category, young adult, The Red Queen series by Victoria Aveyard, A-V-E-Y-A-R-D. And anything by Madeline Langle. And then for the bonus category. And here again, I just have authors. And I'm not going to tell you too much about them. I'm just going to run through them real quick. But my bonus category for you who are still listening is children's books. So, I love Russell Hopin. He does all of the Frances stories. She's a little badger. Um... Bedtime for Francis, I believe, was the first, and it's a real fun series. The first one does mention spankings, so they're not completely PC, uh, but I love them. Uh, the, my favorite of all time children's author is Victoria Lee Burton. You've probably heard of her, Mike Mulligan and the Steam Shovel. My favorite of hers is The Little House. Another great children's book author is Robert McCloskey, author of make way for ducklings but he also has some other really great books and i believe he's also the author of the homer price series so some great stuff for both young kids and a little bit older children um and then the last author and this is for nonfiction children's books it's kind of a children's book this would be a great thing just to have around for all ages at your home are the books written by Julia Rothman, R-O-T-H-M-A-N. But she does books on anatomy in an interesting way. She has food anatomy, nature anatomy, ocean anatomy, and farm anatomy. So we had, we borrowed the food anatomy one for a bit. And I absolutely loved it. I mean, she had a whole page on the makeups of a sandwich. And she talked about how cheese is made. And she, I mean, there were just so many different sections. And I don't even know how to talk about how wonderful it is. Um, She did talk a little bit about the anatomy of plants, but not a lot. My guess is there would be a lot more of that in nature anatomy. But I would look into any of these. I've flipped through all of them, but the only one I've ever really read most of it or looked through all of it is Food Anatomy but oh man they're so good. I want to own a copy of each and I'm working on it but my book fund is limited unfortunately it's probably good for my pocketbook that there's a limit to it so those are some of my favorite books in some of my favorite genres and as you can hear I have not read much mystery I haven't read a lot of general fiction I've read uh, I don't know if I've read any horror I've read a tiny bit of Adventure, but I don't read a lot of those. However, if you have any recommendations in any of these categories, or I would really be interested in kind of diving a little more into other categories, give me some really good options for them that might help me get more interested in, say, mysteries or adventure or uh, westerns or anything like that. So. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts. I would love to hear if you have read any of these authors or any of these books and what you did or didn't love about them. Um, Sorry if this podcast has gone a little long. I just want to thank you so much for listening today. And we'll talk to you again next week. If you love this episode and would love to hear additional episodes, have access to extra content, and are passionate about caring for the needy as I am, I encourage you to check out my Patreon page. You can find it at www.patreon.com. There are different levels at which you can help. One dollar a month gives you early access to all my free episodes and could help plant three potato plants to feed the hungry. a month gives you two book lists a month in addition to early access, as well as some additional read-aloud podcasts and could buy a coat or shoes for a homeless person. $10 a month gives you access to all of my episodes, book lists, and more while helping a poor family afford hygiene products or allowing local gardeners to plant three extra rows of plants in their garden to give people in great need. Again, you can find that at www.patreon.com slash shereads. Thanks so much for listening today, and I can't wait to talk to you again next week.